Hi friends, I'm Molly and thank you for joining our Relief from Darkness podcast where we're continuing our conversations with people who have walked out of various hard places in their lives and straight into freedom with Christ. For today's session, we'll have Dr. Sherry Tucker joining us again. And as a reminder, Dr. Sherry Tucker serves as the medical director at Ministries of Jesus Clinic in Edmond, Oklahoma. So today she'll be sharing her expertise on poor impulse control and how it affects the mind and body. Because interestingly enough, she also happens to be my primary care physician. And throughout my life, I've struggled with this very thing. So we'll be dissecting various aspects of my own personal stories surrounded through impulse control. Hi friends, I'm Molly and I'm here with our Relief from Darkness team where we are talking about uh, just walking out of the various stuck places in our lives. And we are talking anything ranging from anxiety to depression to substance abuse to any various addictions actually. Um, Because here at No Boundaries, we really believe that you can heal from these things. And we really believe that the things that were hindering us from experiencing the fullness of God in our lives doesn't have to remain that way. And we think that those things can change in our brains. And if you change your brain, then you change your life. So for this session, it's actually going to be super fun because we're doing a little bit of a role reversal. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. And our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie, will actually be the one that will be asking a lot of the questions because we will be hearing my own personal walk out of impulse control issues. So with that, um, we'll also have a super special guest, Dr. Sherry Tucker, and she is actually my current primary care physician and has walked with me through kind of this whole process for about the last three years. And it's been wild, I'll tell you that much. Um, So to kick us off, I'm just going to give a little bit of a background of what impulse control even is. So the definition kind of technically is the ability to control emotions and behaviors. When someone has an impulse control disorder or struggles with impulse control, they oftentimes experience great difficulty in resisting the forceful urge to participate in certain behaviors. So these behaviors can often violate either the rights of others or they conflict with like the societal norms. So Dr. Lori, anything you want to add to that? Absolutely. I think this podcast is going to be really special for us because not only Are we sitting here talking to you each week about the various topics? But this one, we've actually walked out. And actually, all of them, we've walked out. And so I think about my very favorite candy. And these these candies are the most delicious candies in the world. And they're called Peeps. They're actually marshmallow pink chickens. Actually, the pink chickens taste better than any of the others. (laughs) And typically, you can only get these around Easter time unless you ration them and you have different packages that you scatter throughout the year with the pink chickens. But I could look at this pink chicken and describe a delicious candy, or I could actually taste a pink chicken 
and describe the delicious candy. And so I think it's really important for Molly and I, as we've been with you, and then have the expertise and such honor for Dr. Tucker that we actually share with you the things that we've walked out. So the podcasts are really near and dear to our heart because the things that we're talking about, Jesus actually shows up and he heals. And so I want to start this off. We've introduced a definition of impulse control, but I want Molly to talk about her prognosis. When she encountered the doctors, what the doctors said to her and what her outcome they predicted would be. Yeah, so I uh, experienced kind of I would say a good amount of trauma in my teenage years. And eventually, you know, I operated kind of just straight into that as my identity. So I would do kind of everything to cope with just traumatic things that have happened. And I think we all get, you know, I mean, probably all, anyone was a teenager, we've been traumatized. And so there's just kind of this, um, identity issue. And I didn't know who I was. And eventually I ended up being an adult who hadn't taken care of any of the stuff from the past. Um, I just basically catered to it. And I had no idea really what was appropriate behavior and what wasn't appropriate behavior versus what I learned or what I saw or what, you know, helped cope with the things from the past. I don't know. But eventually, I ended up in psychiatric care where literally I had a team of doctors sit me down and they put me on five different medications and they said, Molly, you've done too many drugs and you've had too much trauma to ever live a normal kind of life again based off of I had absolutely no impulse control. So... They were like, you're not going to be able to, you know, live by yourself and you're not going to be able to be by yourself for too long because you disassociate or you act out and do things that just aren't aren't okay and that do 100% violate the societal norms in any given circumstance. And basically like, you're a firecracker, you're wild, we don't know, you know, what we're going to get. And I had no... I had no idea, you know, that things would ever be normal again. I had no idea that it didn't have to be that way. So I really lived into that. I mean, I, if I thought it, there was very little time, if any time at all, from the time I was thinking something to the time I was doing something. And that's just the best way that I know to explain it. That's really good. And so there are two behaviors that I think about knowing Molly. And one of them is a donut incident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other one is a running incident. And so for us, when we have stress and when things happen to us, then they say a lot of times we're either actors and we act out, we're doers, we do something, we're blamers, we're stuffers, or we're body people. And in the body people, then we exhibit headaches and stomach aches and physiological sicknesses because of the the stress in just dealing with everyday life. But I don't think there was any, any hesitation with Molly with the impulse control when she was acting out. She didn't even think about acting out. All of a sudden she found herself in a behavior cycle and she was just right in the middle of it. Now those things progressively declined with the level of severity or risk risky behaviors 
But I think about those two incidences and, and I think it'd be really good to unpack those things. One of them was she talks about the time uh, when we're all working together and she went and she pulled up to a donut shop. She ordered eight dozen donuts. And then before she paid, she drove away. And so this story really has a fun ending when she went back to the donut shop to try to try to make amends for what she had done. And then another instance was where she was really having a difficult time. Two times a day, she was running eight miles each time. And she would end up limping with bloody blisters and all kinds of things. And so you would think in your mind, well, running, that's better than than stealing donuts. But in actuality... Jesus can fulfill that whole thing. We don't want a substitution for the real thing. And so as we've gone through this time and time again with the CPR, the connection, the psychoeducation, and the routine of impulse control is what we'll be talking about today. I want to ask Molly about first her connection with God and then connection with our community. And then pretty pretty soon with our community right out of the gate, then with Dr. Tucker, and then we'll start to unpack then the psychoeducation and the routine of her walking out of poor impulse control where she's actually able to manage and really pay attention to what I call sud, seemingly unimportant decisions that will lead to things that are just really no bueno. So Molly, let's start with, and let's do role reversal and let's get Dr. Tucker right in the middle of this conversation, but let's start with the connection with God. Um, Dr. Lori, are you telling me that I get to do the rain dump? Well, I'm not going to. No, you don't yes, get that title. I receive that. I receive that. <laughs> I'm the brain dump today. Okay. Um, so I just want to say that to just really reiterate, like when I was stealing the eight dozen donuts and when I was running uh, the eight miles a day, twice a day, like for me, it felt like kind of this release, I think, but you don't know that you're needing that kind of a release until you're doing it. And so um, as far as the C with the connection, like it's like whenever you're the one that's in it, you don't know that it's bad or that this isn't an appropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, after you have, you know, stolen the eight dozen donuts, you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, I think I've just done something. (laughs) But especially with the running, like, you don't always notice that that's like not a behavior that's appropriate. Because you think, oh, this is socially acceptable. This doesn't violate societal norms. This is safe. And people run all the time. And then you get into this like justification of the behavior Mm -hmm. that just kind of leads you back into this cycle of saying this is okay. But really, there's just this like hole in you that just isn't being met. And there's just something that needs to come out that it's just going to come out by whatever means necessary. So C, for the connection portion of CPR, uh, for me to walk out of this, it really took connection with people. I mean, it to the point of that I had to learn how to trust people more than I trusted me. And that was like, that was a totally weird concept to look at someone who has built relationship with me and say, okay, I'm going to allow what you're saying to speak into my life. Like, 
It was people that the team really, it was this no boundaries team and Dr. Tucker that walked this out with me and they sat me down and they just gently said like, Molly, do you trust me? And it was like, I can't trust my own instincts right now. Obviously, if I'm, you know, doing, if I'm stealing and if I'm running to the point of real physical injury, like there's obviously something that's off. So I just had to make this decision to trust the people that were around me to speak into how they were perceiving me more than I could trust what I was actually experiencing on the inside. Because on the inside, I would say that everything was fine and everything's normal. But clearly that wasn't the case. That's so good. Now let's just backtrack just for a second. And let's talk about because you could have then been affiliated with a running club. But even with the running club, they would have probably thought that running was excessive because you were hurt. But let's think about I I think I was doing a a therapy group with a, a bunch of guys and they had been in trouble because they were offenders and they had happened to regularly look at porn. And I said, well, when's the last time you looked at porn? And they said, well, right before we came in here. Well, why is porn bad? And so talk just for a second about prior to you and what actually landed you at No Boundaries was you decided that you needed to change and you were going to address anything that was kingdom culture you were going to try for a year yeah. versus anything that was worldly culture or your culture. Because if kingdom culture and Jesus couldn't really fulfill you, then you were going to kill yourself. Yeah. So talk about that for a second, because I may have a, a culture community where they're doing illegal things or yeah. again, birds of a feather. So my friends may be just as crazy in denial as I am. So mm-hmm. talk about how do you know who's safe, who's not safe, and what were the alterations that you made to actually land yourself in a community that could help you get better? Okay, wow. Yeah, so I, um, to backtrack to where I got kind of that diagnosis of, I mean, it was labeled as something, but the bottom line was impulse control. And when I they sent me home with these five medications and they had told me, you know, cause I just ended up in psychiatric care and they basically applauded and say, congratulations, you've graduated therapy. Um, and I was like, yay, what does that mean? <laughs> and basically I was just no longer in the intensive group where I was doing uh, therapy kind of around the clock. It was six hours a day, five days a week. And what happened was, is they sent me home with these medications and they sent me home and said, you're always going to need the caretaker. You're always going to need blah, blah, blah. You're not going to be able to drive by yourself and to manage your own money and all of these things that I wasn't going to be able to do. And so, I mean, they said that they would still manage my five medications and they would see me weekly. But other than that, this is kind of like your life now. And I took that on as this this life sentence. And so I get back to my caretaker's house, which was my my parents. And I was just felt so defeated. And I can remember so clearly. It was December of 2017. And I was smoking a cigarette in my parents' backyard. And I was just like, this can't be my life. This can't be it. This can't be it for me. That I'm just going to accept these these mental health diagnoses and, and, and that life is always going to look like this. I'm always going to need someone to take care of me and I'm always going to need to be watched and monitored because I don't make good decisions and I struggle, blah, blah, blah. 
And I was just like, I can't do this. If this is my life, I don't want it. And so I did something that I hadn't done in a long time. And, and I prayed, um, at this point in my life, I was a self-proclaimed atheist, really. I mean, I went uh, to a church at a local church and I'd go and like listen to worship music and then leave or, you know, I'd still go into the church, which is kind of funny. Um, and, but I just prayed and I said, God, if you're real, if you're real and you, and you love your children and you value me, you know, like all the cheesy Christians are saying, then I will say yes to you for one year. I will say yes to every invitation that I truly believe is from you. And the next year, if I hadn't met you and if you're not real, then I'll kill myself at the end of that year. I mean, this was how much I couldn't stand the idea of living in that cycle. And I just felt I didn't know about Holy Spirit. I didn't know about that I was like speaking to God, but it was just like I knew so clearly like, I knew the people and the decisions that were contributing to this cycle, and I didn't net yet know the people and the decisions that would break that cycle. And so I knew where where the you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of lifestyle was leading me, and apparently it was straight into mental health diagnoses and right <laughs> in the psych ward. I mean, I was going to end up right back in the psych unit. And I knew where that I knew where that was going. And I just kind of asked, like, I could just kind of feel this question or, you know, rise up in me of like, well, how's that working out for you? Like, how is that cycle working out for you? How is the people in your life and the decisions you're making working out for you? And I was like, well, very clearly it's not. And it was like, but. I don't know what's going to break this, this pattern. And, and the good thing is, is I didn't have to, because I was in this moment being introduced to the one who did. And so I just said, yes, God, I will say yes for one year. And I mean, he showed up clearly if I'm still sitting here today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in Um, a big way, in a big way. So as your question, I think was about safe people. Yes. And it's, People that aren't contributing to the cycle of death that you're currently in. That's so good. That could be the best way that I could sum it up. If you find yourself in this pit in, of despair and depravity and and substance abuse and mental health diagnoses that won't go away and you're still hanging out with the same people that are contributing to the cycle, I would just say stop and go find someone outside of that cycle that you can connect with that's safe and that's healthy. And it might be very uncomfortable because they might look super, super weird or super boring. But it's like, let them, you know, speak into you and develop that relationship until you can, you know that they're safe. And don't just like go immediately, you know, and divulge everything. I mean, Lori, we're here. How long have I been here? Mm -hmm. Long time, you know, three and a half years. Yeah. So I think, so if we were going to just classify safe communities as bueno or no bueno. So a no bueno would be anybody doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. And then a bueno would be, and for for followers of Christ, with the relationship with Christ, there are two scripture references that I want to make note of. And the first is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. 
And the second one is Philippians 4, 8. And so people who think about, this is Philippians, things that are true and right and lovely and excellent and noble and pure and admirable and praiseworthy. And I've got a feeling Molly in the midst of her impulse control wasn't thinking about those things. And then nope. under pressure, the Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is when you're under pressure and when you're squeezed, these are the things that need to come out if we're pursuing Jesus. And we should be faithful and good and gentle and be full of joy and kindness and love and peace and patience. And my favorite one is self-control. So abiding in Christ actually produces a fruit of the spirit of self-control. And so those are the really good litmus tests for is my community safe or not? People that are are violent or abusive or yell or or stomp or slam or act out, that's not really safe community. So you have to start to connect with God in surrender. And that's what Molly did. She said, mm-hmm. Jesus, if you don't show up in a year, then I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And obviously he showed up. And then she found a safe place. And if you have to, then get a therapist or get into a small group or do whatever you need to do to do that thing that you need to do with connection. And so now as we move into the P, the psychoeducation of that, I think this would be a really good time to have Dr. Tucker weigh in and thinking about from a mental health care perspective, I don't prescribe medications and I don't diagnose as a trauma therapist, but there are some really amazing people who do. And so Dr. Tucker, what would you say about medications? Can antidepressants actually cure depression or anti-anxiety medications can actually cure anxiety or how do we partner with medications and what's some of the psychoeducation about medications? It really is a partnership that you cannot, I never want my patients to rely on medication only because it isn't their savior. Yeah. It isn't what will change. It doesn't go to the the very root of the problem. Is it helpful? Yes. Do we need it? Yes, in, in lots of different circumstances. But it's adjunctive, usually, and it really needs to be specific for each individual and the circumstance that they're dealing with and not not a one-size-fits-all. And I am so grateful for some of these physicians who really do know um, how the brain works and all of the different neurotransmitters and the way God put us together is um, it, we can study it again just like we could study him and never get to how miraculous and marvelous and glorious our brain and nervous system is that um, regulates us. The problem is it, it is so interconnected with everything that um, sometimes if we try to uh, calm it down a bit or, or help those symptoms by um, Uh, activating or deactivating some of these neurotransmitters, we completely will uh, knock the person out of their ability to um, walk through the circumstance Mm -hmm. or the situation, beginning to have some understanding and um, see a future to it. It, I can always remember as a student, I would say, oh, they look so snowed. And that's the truth. We would we would use medicines, um, and sometimes that was the only thing at that moment 
that would stop the chaos and stop the um, the actions that could do harm to themselves or others. But it was meant to just get that that small pause, hit the pause, but not live in that because you can't live in that and ever fully begin to recover or to um, see things as um, possibilities of change. Yeah. And and so when I met Molly, I, I love this. I love the connection that we were first talking about because I already had a connection with No Boundaries. And then I, I am not sure exactly, even as I've heard your story, how how that connection, except that God was leading you to save people, but you became connected with um, No Boundaries. And then because of this threesome, they were able to call and say, hey, um, we know a, a young woman who really does not have a primary care physician and has all of us so many different health issues that, hey, would you see her? And so, again, that became this uh, amazing three-year journey that we're talking about. But at the very first when I met Molly, medication wasn't even on the table. Yeah. I mean, you were walking through so much and getting so much um, uh, just knowledge about what had led up to this and counseling and wise just friendships, good friendships and people that you could um, begin to trust. That was doing an amazing thing that yeah. that medicine wasn't even needed at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and it was much more allergies or, you know, just, just right. different things that we could talk about. So that even allowed us, I love how the way that God put things in a night in the steps that he did, because I didn't immediately, you wouldn't have known me at all if I said, okay, I want you to do this medicine. We weren't at a place that there would have been any trust in me or have a relationship started um, before I would enter need to introduce something that that in the past had been only a very negative thing for you. So I'm so grateful that God had so much else going on that was uh, meeting the need at that point. And it was a couple, year and a half or two years into our relationship where we had um, seen each other in lots of different situations that there became a need for possible medication. Yeah. But at that point, my major concern with you, and, and like it is with all patients is that I don't do harm, that I don't use medication that would actually begin to in the moment help. But if I keep it going or, or put a certain kind on, it might actually delay or harm what's already been happening. It's, it's to use the medication that God has given people, given these amazing scientists to discover what can be used to help in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so when, again, you and I were talking about sleep, and that sleep was just so challenging at that moment. Well, that was my first good. Well, let's just let's just work on that. Yeah. Yeah, there's some other the impulse and different things, but but we've got to get you sleep, Molly. And that was enough for you at that moment. I mean, that's yeah. all you could handle. Yeah. Really. And that's a, I just remember I just remember so as Dr. Tucker said, like we're, you know, a year and a half into this. I just want to reiterate that this is such that this is such a process and it's not always just this overnight thing, but it it takes like intentionally um, like choosing in your mind to 
to over and over again to heal and to do the things necessary um, to facilitate healing and wholeness. But I know, Dr. Tucker, when I came to you, I mean, I, it felt on the inside just like, just like panic and just so like hopeless, you know, like it didn't feel like things were going to be different. And in the moment, it didn't feel like things are going to get better. And it didn't feel right. There's a lot of feeling mm-hmm. words with that. And at this point, um, I was walking through some kind of hard things and I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I mean, it was just like, I felt like I was so far up and that's the best way that I can describe it. It's just an up or a high that I couldn't come down from, which was terrifying even, you know, afterwards. But in the moment, you're not thinking this is terrifying or this is, you know, so I would just be interested to know as, uh, as my primary care physician and knowing what I was feeling on the inside and experiencing what kind of guidelines did you use to to not overprescribe because in the it was probably pretty scary from you for from <laughs> your side of it right i mean you too dr Laura. Yes. like it was probably like by any means necessary this girl needs something and so to have that restraint or to see beyond the the panic in me like what what were kind of your parameters Yes, seeing beyond the panic in you, because I also knew um, Christ lived in you and that his wisdom and his peace was there and that I didn't want to um, so put medication on that you would not be able to, to hear him or to sense him, that you would again be so snowed that you couldn't, some of these feelings you had to feel, you you mm-hmm. had to feel um, this isn't r- this you know this isn't right. I need to feel a little uncomfortable. I need to feel it. I I can't. I didn't want you feeling glorious in this high. Yeah, that would sometimes be the very next feeling besides the panic that was sitting there in the chair. Um, I wanted you to be able to have um, the ability to to get to those feelings and to. Um, not just be locked under medication, but I needed to make sure the extremes weren't going to happen, that it wouldn't be either so sad or so depressed that, that life did not seem worth living or so up or so high that there wasn't any restraint and a thought would come that could hurt you at that way. I couldn't let that. And there are some medications that are very good at that. They don't completely shut you down, but they stabilize. Yeah. They keep those two really severe ends. Um, They just get the, we meet in the middle. Well, I remember you saying, like, I think because I was just so kind of, I mean, to be honest, just kind of irritated in the moment of Mm -hmm. like, help. But I'm so thankful now that I just remember you saying, like, you just looked at me and you said, Molly, I can't give you anything that's not going to allow you to feel through the things that you need to feel through and to work through the things that you need to work through. And it was just this like, 
I don't, it was so counter in some ways to what society says or culturally, like, I mean, if you're feeling this way, like it's always about like treating the feelings, like culturally through whatever food, exercise, over exercise, substance abuse, um, or, you know, overuse of the medication of whatever medication but it's always like treating the feeling and you were so intentional with me of like I'm gonna look beyond the feeling I'm not gonna treat the feeling because actually you need to feel through this in order to heal and that was such a novel concept and that's actually that's a psychoeducation and the partnership And because she did that, we were able to then start to work with the brain. And so there's a there's a cartoon in in the first clip of the cartoon. The doctor is looking at the patient and the doctor says, you have a disease caused caused by lifestyle. And the patient is just kind of wringing their head and saying, should I change my lifestyle? And the doctor said, not at all. Here's a pill. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have sometimes we have to have both. But it's really real in then changing your brain. If you were, you went through adolescence and you used drugs and you came out of sex trafficking and a lot of trauma, then feelings felt really big, but you weren't used to feeling them because you would regulate yourself through substance abuse or through crazy activity and then just disengage and not have any consequences for behaviors. And so... When you started to slow that thing down and when your brain was activated and you're ready to go do this thing impulsively, then you had to start looking at the seemingly unimportant decisions like your sleep hygiene or your schedule or what you were going to do ahead of time so that you wouldn't act out or you wouldn't go and do something. And then you had to feel the feeling. And if you're the, if your alarm system was going off in your brain, you had to take a look around and say, okay, but then how can I with Christ then regulate myself? Because everything that I need has to be found in him. Yeah. And it was a beautiful process, but then again, it's not one and done. It's a walkout and you have to learn to experience those things. And you literally have to change your brain through this process with the psychoeducation, but then knowing that you're not crazy. Well, of course you would experience this because you've walked out of trauma. And of course these feelings would feel really big as they would have in adolescence if you would have gone through adolescent sober. Or of course these things are happening, but they shouldn't happen and continue now. Back then it could have been life-saving and it got you out of, but now if you continue those those patterns, then it will actually become idolatry and sin where Christ can fill you and can change you. So that leads us right into routine. Yes. And I think routine was probably the R part of CPR. And routine was probably the hardest part um, because that's whenever you don't get to just know it, you have to actually do it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. When the rubber meets the road. Yes. This Mm -hmm. is when like, I like to call routine uh, for me on a personal level is when it gets real. Routine is when when you're doing it day in and day out of Jesus is really either really, really real and with you and helping you or he's not. And I whether mean, you I, feel like whether it you feel like or, it or not. not. Right. right. And that's what I'm saying like and he I mean, Jesus, he shows up in it. And he showed up in it every single time. But getting to that point of actually establishing a routine was was hard. 
And what it took was literally, um, I would have to make decisions ahead of time, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, I guess probably everyone listening is like, well, yeah, duh. Like, that's what people do. But I mean, like, when you're in a moment of peace and in a moment of clarity, going ahead and making decisions for yourself so that whenever the time of chaos tries to present itself, you already have what you've chosen, chosen. That's good. And like you do that with Jesus. I mean, I would sit with him and I would say, okay, God, what are we, when this comes up, I hear it saying that this behavior is unacceptable and that it's causing harm to me. So what are the options? And I would literally get into this place of peace and worship with Christ. And then he would speak to me and say, all right, Molly, like just so sweetly, like a father to a daughter. And he's like, here's what you can do. And I would write on a piece of paper. um, So if I was having big emotions or big feelings, or if I couldn't sleep at night, I would literally give myself like two or three options ahead of time. So I'd say you can either lay under your weighted blanket, whether you sleep or not, I don't care, but like no phones, no anything. You can lay there with your eyes open if that's what it takes and you have to stay in bed until at least 6 a.m. And so that was one of the options. Or if it was the middle of the day or something like that and I was just feeling uh, up, I'd say, okay, so today you can either do a puzzle or read a book. And those are the two options. Most of the time, those are the things that would you know, put me to sleep, but it's like just establishing those parameters ahead of time instead of making the decision in the moment. Cause in the moment you're not capable of making the decision and mm-hmm. the feeling, the feeling is so overwhelming that it's not until you're already in the middle of the big, uh Oh, like, I don't want to tell my therapist this, that whenever you're, it's when you're in the middle of that, that you're like, Oh my gosh. So to do things to not get to that point where really critical and crucial to um, learning how to heal and learning how to feel in the moment. So taking on all the feelings and all the emotions of everything from the past and being able to stay present in them, but giving myself still an outlet with Jesus of something to do was super helpful. That's so good. And during that time, I remember, and even now, Molly lived by two S words, structure and schedule. Yep. And structure and schedule. And then we did the next day, it would be structure and schedule. Yeah. And you should have, y'all, you you should have seen her face when we started talking about structure (laughs) and schedule and making decisions ahead of time. Yeah. But the walkout has been beautiful. And so what about today? Are you on medication? I am not. And what have you learned how to do? Um... What haven't I learned how to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be a, you can be one of the hosts of a podcast. I, a, a, I'm hosting a podcast mental health. on mental health. Of all people, of, of the least likely, like he uses, he uses the least likely because it's him who showed up and he who, who heals and who speaks truth and he's the one who makes us into anything. And I think if you would have told, if you'd have told me, I don't know, two years ago even, or, you know, two to three years ago that I would be hosting a mental health <laughs> podcast while I'm 
stealing eight dozen donuts mm -hmm. and running until the blisters on my my whole the whole bottom of my foot was a blister y'all yes. like i don't think it was gross like blisters an understatement yes um <laughs> uh, it's just it's wild and so that's why we're so passionate about this we're not just this isn't just fun or something fun to talk about we've really lived it and then i think about amazing physicians and all of us being a small part of a team that will rally around people so that they can heal and walk into the fullness of their destiny. And I think about even that first time that Molly went to see Dr. Tucker. I mean, come on, you guys, a five or a six hour doctor appointment. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Tucker connects and engages in a way that if we would only know the why behind the what that, oh my gosh, it took five or six hours. But then if we would know the why, the why doesn't make us mad, it breaks our heart. And so it's our jobs then to rally around people who are having difficulty to bring them into community and to watch them walk out. And so this CPR process that we're talking to you about really, really works. Yeah. And so I think, Molly, I think as we're wrapping up, I think you need to conclude the donut story, whatever happened with the <laughs> donuts. And then we'll see if Dr. Tucker has anything else she'd like to share. So donut story. So uh, a few months ago, I was like, really just feeling this, this like, Jesus and I were just kind of in this place of kind of tying up loose ends. Like we're really in this place of getting all clear. Like that's his favorite thing right now is like check-ins of like, are we all clear? And this one had kind of been stirring in me for a while. I was like, I think I need to, uh, it's like, I think I need to go and pay for those eight dozen donuts. And the funny thing is, is when I first said this to the team, I was kind of expecting everyone to be like, oh no, you're like you're probably good. And everyone just kind of turned and just looked at me and was just like, well, yep. That sounds like maybe. So I did. I I walked into the to the donut shop and I was nervous and I was sweaty and I said, Hello, um, my name is Molly Buck and I, you know, three about three years ago I stole eight dozen donuts from this place. And it was a different time in my life. And I was really struggling with impulse control. And I didn't know Christ. And <laughs> I would imagine? like to pay for these donuts. And it was super fun. The guy looked at me and he was like, well, the price has gone up about $2. <laughs> so let's not do that. Like, you don't have to do that. And then he was just like, now tell me more. Like, why are you here? Like, who does this? And so it was an opportunity to share a little bit of testimony of just like, well, now God's shown up in my life and, and he's changing things and he's made me new and, and, you know, just an act of worship to my newness. I just want to tie up the loose ends. And this was a loose end. And, you know, the guy was super sweet and super moved and, I, you know, that's incredible. That was it. And so in impulse control, in our selfishness, in our addiction, in our stuff, a lot of times we don't take responsibility and pay the consequences. And so I love how Molly talked about with Jesus, then connecting with him and asking him if there's any loose ends that we need to tie up. And so beautiful process of CPR. Let's check back in with Dr. Tucker and let's hear if there's anything else that she would say or if she had kind of parting words for us, what that would be. Molly, it has been um, a miracle 
and we are all miracles. It is the miracle of each of us, no matter where we're at, impulse control or um, religion and things like that. But when he sets us free and we um, have faith and we see it and we step out and we trust and we hold on and we walk the path and we get connected and um, our brains begin to change and then our emotions and our thoughts and our actions and it's the most glorious miracle that unfolds around us all the time and sometimes in my job and in others we're too busy we miss Mm. the miracle unfolding but at ministries of jesus time is built in and that was just one of the tenets that we felt jesus said is this isn't every 15 minutes you it's what needs to happen just go with what needs to happen and i think about now our whole staff, every one of us from the day one, um, how could we not love your precious heart and your vulnerability then that you would even allow us to walk into a place that was very scary for you. But you bring joy and life and we can't wait to see. We We hope you get a cold or we <laughs> hope you get something that we get to see you because... Again, it reaffirms in each of us, we're watching a miracle. It's an honor. It is the joy of walking with Jesus as we get invited into all sorts of miracles. And that's what this is. And I love it. I, I love you. I love No Boundaries. I love the connection. And I'm I'm just so grateful um, to be here today with you celebrating Um, what is an everyday experience in your life. It's been great. Thank you. Wow. So testimony means do it again. And if he did it in Molly, he can do it in you. So what I want you to do is I want you to get your hand out and I want you to put it on your brain. And all three of us want to pray over your brain. So Jesus, we thank you. Oh, and if you're driving, be sure and keep your eyes open for this prayer. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing that you're changing brains. And because you're changing brains, you're changing lives. And Jesus, everybody that's listening to this, we ask that you radically transform them by the renewing of their mind. Jesus, we declare impulse control. We declare self-control as a fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Jesus, we thank you that people will be connected, that they'll understand the whys when their past invades their present that will destroy their future, that they will partner with you to do that. God, we thank you for amazing physicians and for mental health workers that you give us strategies. And Jesus, we declare that the body of Christ will be set free. We declare the mind of Christ over everyone today. And Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing, what you've done in and through Molly and what you're doing in and through all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, it's been fun. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Dr. Tucker, for being here and being a part of this miraculous thing. <laughs> Molly Buck, let's tell him once again, if we change our brain, then you change your life. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.